0: And welcome to the MVP Real Estate Mortgage Report. I'm Jonathan Edwards with Citywide Home Loans. This is the show that brings you today's most relevant real estate insights and experiences from the industry's most dedicated players. So good morning. Today we're going to do things a little bit different. I don't have a guest with me today, so I've got several topics that I'm going to touch on today. Uh, Sort of the common theme today is going to be interest rates. Interest rates have become such a big topic. I mean, rightfully so. They've basically tripled in the last couple of years, uh, which has a direct impact, obviously, on the housing market. And so when I talk about interest rates, I'm really talking specifically about mortgage interest rates and what that effect is on people's willingness or ability to buy. I'm also going to talk a little bit today about how interest rates have become such a big factor that you start to see people make decisions based off of interest rates alone instead of logistics or reality. Uh, and what, what I mean by that is I've got folks that you know maybe locked in their interest rate a couple, two, three, four years ago, and their interest rate is in the twos or the threes, and they're making decisions not to move to a new home, Uh, You know, and in some cases, like we've got a client that isn't following their family with their grandchildren because they can't justify moving with with a higher interest rate. So I think some of this at some level becomes a little bit crazy. Like, yeah, lower interest rates are great. Obviously, it helps financially and there's a lot to be said for that. But at the same time, if you're deciding to spend less time with your family because, You don't want a higher interest rate on your new home. Does that really make sense? I think you really need to ask yourself some of those questions logistically. I get it. I mean, if you're two and a half percent right now and you want to go buy a new home, the national average on a conventional loan yesterday, I believe, was 7.3 percent. Now, you go from two and a half to seven and a quarter that's going to be a difference, right? That's going to make a big difference depending on where you're going. Now, maybe you're moving from, we're in Colorado here, maybe you're moving from Colorado to Missouri or Kansas or Iowa where home prices are considerably lower and then maybe a higher interest rate. You know, it's not ideal, but when you're buying a home that's a third the price of what you're paying here, can we justify that and does it start to make some sense? So those are some of the things that I wanted to dive into today is really just interest rates like are we really making decisions on where we're going to live based on the interest rates and so if you have now what I do understand is somebody that you know has a family They're living. Let's just use Denver as an example, because that's where we're at. You're living in in the Denver area. You've got your family. You've got your house. You bought it a few years ago. Maybe it's a little bit smaller than you'd like it to be, but you've got a pretty small you got a pretty low interest rate. And so, um, you know, I can understand having a conversation with with your spouse about that of. You know, hey, do we do we want to upsize right now where we're basically going to have an interest rate that's, you know, 2 3 times what we have right now? Does that fit within our budget? Not necessarily, you know, does that make sense for our family? I think you've already decided it probably makes sense for the family. You need a bigger home, you need some more space, maybe you need to live in a different part of town because your job has moved. Okay. Well, that's great. Now, does it fit within the budget? And does that higher interest rate, you know, in the sixes or the sevens, can we justify that based on what we're trying to do for the betterment of our family? So I have those conversations. Another thing that came up recently is uh, is equity. So in, at least again in the Denver area, um, while it seems as though the, the housing market has slowed down a little bit, what we haven't seen, and some of us may be surprised by this, that interest that uh, excuse me values home values have not dropped as much as we might have thought when interest rates triple buy that that means there's a lot less buyers to buy homes than what we saw a few years ago what we saw a few years ago was absolutely insane it was crazy it was nuts we saw you know everything was over asking price we saw 20% over asking price, in some cases even more than that. So it was crazy. But what we have today is folks that aren't living or looking to, to sell their homes, they have their homes, maybe they need to tap into that equity. And for those of you that aren't familiar with equity, equity is simply the difference between what you owe on the property and the value of the property. So for easy math, if your home is worth $600,000 and you owe one hundred thousand on it, then you have five hundred thousand dollars of equity. So, what hasn't changed as much as we may have thought is the amount of equity in the properties. Equity is still there to, to a lot of, to a big degree here, in the, at least in the Denver area. And there are people that are starting to more and more need to tap into or want to tap into that equity and access it. And there's only kind of a few ways that you can tap into that equity. You can do the old home equity line of credit where basically you're going to establish an additional lien against your property or if you have no mortgage on your property right now, you're going to establish a first lien on the property and you're going to have access to those funds similar to, let's call it like a savings account. You might do a home equity type loan where they're just going to give you the funds. You do a $100,000 home equity loan, they give you the funds of 100000 and then you do what you will with them and you've got a monthly payment, you need to repay it over a specific period of time um, if you want more specifics on that, reach out to your bank or, you know, give me a call or and I can help out. 303-921-5747. I can give you some more Details on that, but in general, that's how your home equities work. If it's a line of credit, basically, it's more like a credit card where you can access it when you need to pay it back as you need to. Typically, you're going to have interest only payments. There are different programs, so some of them are principal and interest. But that's what that's basically two ways to access the equity in your property. You can do a cash out refinance, uh, which we've seen in a relatively common cash out refinance. Is where we're going to um, pay off the current lien. So if you owe one hundred thousand dollars on your current mortgage, and you want to do one hundred thousand um, dollars, you want to get an additional hundred thousand. We're going to pay. Off, we're going to do basically a two hundred thousand dollar loan. We're going to pay off the hundred thousand. We're going to give you a hundred thousand to do what you'd like with it, and then you're going to repay the two hundred thousand. Um, the other part, I mean, you could sell the property, right? You can always sell the property. Um, if it's worth 600,000, you can sell it for 600,000. You pay off your $100,000 lien and now you've got $500,000 to go play with. The problem is in that situation, you don't have a house, right? You don't have a place to live. Um, so those are some different ideas, some different ways that you can tap into that home, to that equity within your property. Uh, people are using that equity, um, to consolidate their debt, so they're paying off, you know, credit cards. In some cases, car loans, maybe student loans, uh, personal loans, personal lines of credit. These kinds of things are being paid off with the equity. You can argue all day long, probably with somebody, whether or not that's the best financial decision for them or not. It's certainly a quick fix. It's certainly an easy way to get your debts paid off, to ease your monthly expenses. And that's typically why people are doing those debt consolidation loans, is because they are trying to ease their monthly expenses. So, you know, if your mortgage and your credit card payments and your student loans and your car loan add up to... $4,000 a month, and you make $5,500 a month after taxes, after all the other things, you really don't have much money left. In fact, you may be underwater, and so we can, in some cases, help clients to ease their monthly debt burdens by accessing the equity in their property. They certainly do that. We've had clients that have taken the equity out of their property to cover school expenses for children, grandchildren, and then probably you know, probably the most popular reason for people to take money or to access the equity in their property is for renovations and to upgrade, um, the house, you know, finish a basement, redo a kitchen, redo a bathroom, all the things that, uh, that people like to do that like to have fresh new kitchens and, um, new basements with game rooms and bedrooms and bathrooms and stuff like that. So, Take that into consideration. If you've got some equity in your property, maybe you have the savings set aside. You don't need to tap your equity, but maybe you do, or maybe you'd prefer to do that. One way to look at it, in my opinion, is that if you're going to take money out of the equity in your home, but you're going to use that money to put back into your home, that may not be a terrible investment. You know, you take $50,000 out and you redo your basement. Well, you just increase the value of your home in most cases. How much it increases, you may not know until you go to sell the property, but you'll also probably get some more use out of that basement than you did before. So certainly not a bad strategy to con- to consider when tapping that equity in the property, put the money back into the property. If instead you're taking that money and you're going on an extravagant vacation someplace, well, that may not be worth it. That may not be a wise investment. Next item I wanted to talk about here is buy downs. And so these have become popular again. They were eh, a couple of decades ago. Uh, Buy downs are where we're going to help the buyer to ease their monthly payment in the first for a specific period of time, let's say. So the most popular one that we see right now is the two one buy down and buy downs are paid for at least the subsidy. The amount of interest that is not being paid by the buyer is either going to be covered by the seller or the lender. So the most popular is your 2-1 buy-down. So if the interest rate, in my example here, the interest rate was 7.125% on the 30-year fixed rate at the time that we did this, the interest rate on a 2-1 buy-down in year one would be 5.125%. And that's what we're going to determine the principal and interest payment off of in year one. So in year two, the one part of the 2-1 buy-down, the interest rate is going to be one percent lower, or in this case, six point one two five percent. So, if the payment at seven point one two five percent, which is the, going to be their payment years three through thirty, is two thousand six hundred ninety four dollars and eighty seven cents, and the payment in year one is two thousand one hundred seventy seven dollars and ninety five cents, that's about a five hundred, just under a five hundred and seventeen dollars savings each month for the borrower. That's not too bad. Uh, total of just over 6200 in savings for the year. In year two, their payment goes down to $2,430 and some change, which is just about a $265 monthly savings or just under 3200 per month. That total amount in years one and two that is not being paid in interest is going to be paid by someone. And again, that's going to be paid by the seller, or the lender, and that subsidy amount in this case is $9,376. So if you are purchasing a home and you would like the sellers to cover this or do a, uh, a buy-down of sorts, you're going to need to get a seller concession that covers at least the amount of the subsidy. The seller needs to cover every dollar of that. The buyer cannot cover it. So keep that in mind when you're structuring those contracts, when you're negotiating with the sellers in the And the listing agent, just keep that in mind. So that, in general, is kind of how a buy-down works. Again, you can have lender-paid buy-downs, which, in this case, we're looking at a lender-paid example. Or you can have a seller-paid buy-down. So we're about halfway through the show here, which brings up probably my favorite part of the show. And that's where we're going to talk about some of the hottest listings that we've seen here in Denver And our first one, actually, this one isn't even in Denver. This is—we actually covered the whole state of Colorado, and in this case, uh, we have a great spot uh, in Cuomo, Colorado. And the address here is two four nine McDowell Drive. And this one's listed by Cindy Weld with Brokers Guild Real Estate. It's listed at three hundred and sixty three thousand five hundred dollars. And it is a single-family residence. I'm looking at the picture here. It looks like a beautiful property. Uh, Just under 900 square feet. It's a two-bedroom, one-bath. As you turn into the driveway, you realize you have just entered a peaceful oasis away from the world. Uh, A beautiful cabin nestled amongst a sea of trees. This ranch-style cabin has vaulted tongue and groove beetle-kill pine ceilings and walls really an amazing property. It looks like it's just over five acres. If you'd like some more information on this property, reach out to Cindy Weld at 720-629-3483. And the next one that I've got here is the great Cynthia Munson with Metro Brokers Realty Oasis. Uh, Cin- Cynthia is an excellent agent here in the Denver area. She's got a great listing of 4755 South Pitkin Court in Aurora, listed at 475000 It's a single-family residence, just under 1,700 square feet, three bedrooms, two bath. An amazing, reimagined ranch home in Summer Valley. This home has all the bells and whistles you need. Enter into a large gathering space with high ceilings and exposed beam. The wood floors are rich, dark color that is very forgiving to pets and little ones, which is important. If you'd like some more information on this property, give Cynthia Munson a call at 720-427-0250. And next up on my hot listings this week... Eric Gut with Brokers Guild Homes has a really cool property at forty eight zero four South Broad Street in Morrison. I love that Morrison area. This one's on the li- on the uh, market here at six hundred twenty nine thousand nine hundred. A single family residence, just over two thousand uh, building area total square foot. Uh, bedrooms three, bathrooms two. Come be wowed at your new move and ready home with many extras, hot tub. Freezer, extra refrigerators, uh, doorbell security system cameras, all the bells and whistles it looks like on this one. If you'd like some more information on that property, give Eric Gut a call at 303-669-7587. And last, but certainly not least, in the Evergreen area, 2355 Pine Tree Lane. Uh, this property is right off of the driving range at Haiwan Golf Course in Evergreen. It's listed at $1.649 million. And it's listed by Lewis Coleca, also with Brokers Guild Homes. And this is a single-family residence. With over 4,200 square feet, a five bedroom, five bathroom, beautiful home. Actually, there's gonna be an open house on this property coming up this Saturday from 11 to 4. Spacious mountain contemporary home that has been fully renovated. Located in a quiet cul-de-sac within walking distance from the Haiwan Golf Club. This home sits on a large, usable lot with manicured lawn and gardens. Every floor of the home, interior and exterior, remodeled over the past five years. An absolutely beautiful home. Give Lewis Coleca a call at 303-960-8842. And I know Cynthia Munson is also doing an open house on her property uh, on Pitkin this weekend. So if you'd like some more information, uh, give Cynthia a call again at... Where was that? Cynthia can be reached at... 720-427-0250 for more information from Cynthia Munson on her property on Pitkin, also on her open house details for this weekend. So some great, great listings out there, folks. That really kind of covers the gamut right there. Um, Different areas of town. We've got Cuomo, Evergreen, Aurora, uh, certainly some different areas. Morrison, if you are looking for a new home, reach out to one of those great agents, get some more information for yourself. Now, uh, the next item that I wanted to talk about was some down payment assistance. And this is something we talk about quite a bit on the show. Um, We do a lot with down payment assistance. There's a number of different programs around town. Um, And they're great. And really, when you think about down payment assistance programs, these are programs that are out there that are really designed to help folks to purchase homes. You do not have to have 20 percent down on a home anymore in order to purchase. And so it's really important that you keep that in mind. If you're a potential buyer out there, you've been thinking about buying a home. This just came up earlier today with an agent that I was talking with. In fact, it was her son, and she said, You know, he's scared. He doesn't think he can qualify because he's got some credit card debt. And she has some student loans. And my response to that is, That might be the case, but how do they know? Why are you declining yourself for a home to buy a home before you've even talked to a lender? This kind of drives me nuts. I'll be honest with you. Talk to a lender, get the numbers, see if it might work. In some cases, uh, down payment assistance can come in and it can really help out to cover those funds. So, uh, you know, I mean, we've had transactions where we've had borrowers purchase homes and they they got some of their earnest money back at closing or maybe they only had to bring a minimal, you know, a few hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, minimal amounts to purchase a home. And so sometimes it works out that way, mostly when we have seller concessions, which is where the sellers contribute to the buyer's closing costs. In some cases, maybe the agent contributes to the seller costs. Um, different, different strategies uh, for different folks, it, it could work for you. I mean, call a lender and see what's out there, see what options there are. Chaffa, Metro DPA tend to be a couple of the more popular programs. Typically, they're going to give you, and there's a few different programs within the programs, right? So Chaffa, for instance, will give you 4% in the form of a silent second. And so that means 4% of the loan amount can be used towards the down payment and whatever's left over. You can use it towards the closing costs. You don't have to make monthly payments on that or pay any interest on those funds, but the funds from CHAFA, I should say. Uh, but you do have to repay those funds when you sell the property or refinance. So you still have your first mortgage, which is your regular FHA conventional loan with its interest and interest rates. But what we're talking about here is a second lien on the property that you don't have to make monthly payments on that you repay those funds. Let's say 4% of your purchase price ended up being $20,000 and they would give you $20,000 and it goes up to 25000 I think they max out at that 25000 However much it is, four percent of your purchase or four percent of your total loan amount, they'll give that to you. So that'll cover your down payment. Might cover a little bit of your closing costs. If you also get seller concessions to cover closing costs, you may be not having to contribute a heck of a lot towards the purchase of your home, which is a great program. Uh, they also have a grant. It's a three percent grant. Same thing, three percent of the total loan amount. Uh, to be used towards the towards the down payment. Borrower covers the difference. Interest rates on those grants tend to be higher. Uh, so if you're talking with somebody about down payment assistance and the term grant comes up, typically a grant is going to be funds that do not need to be repaid by the borrower, but typically they come with higher interest rates. And then finally, if the borrower has the funds for the down payment and the closing costs, usually uh, Chaffa Metro DPA are going to offer very competitive interest rate um, for the borrower in order to, to use that program. So those are some different examples of some of the programs that we have seen out there. Um, we really like both Chaffa and Metro DPA. know, is another good one that's out there. Um But all things to be considered. Another part, if you haven't purchased a home before, or maybe you have, but if you're not putting 20% down um, on the purchase of a home and you're doing conventional financing, you're going to have mortgage insurance. The amount of the mortgage insurance does vary. So keep this in mind on a conventional loan. Now, on FHA, you're always going to have mortgage insurance. And the amount of the mortgage insurance varies a little bit, but not as much as it does with conventional Generally speaking, if you put less than 10% down, the amount of your annual mortgage insurance, which we divide by 12 to get your monthly payment, is 0.55%. If you put more than 10% down, 0.5%. And then again, we divide that by 12, and that gives the borrower their mortgage insurance payment each month. Um, But some of the factors that go in on the conventional side with mortgage insurance is how much is the borrower going to put down? What is their credit score? What's the property type? So is it a condo? Is it a single-family residence, townhome? Condos tend to be a little bit riskier for the lender. So conventional Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac financing, they care more about that. It's important to note, too, that citywide home loans and Jonathan Edwards are not associated with FHA or the Federal Housing Administration or VA, for that matter, the Veterans Administration. So please note that. Um, as we're talking about these different types of programs. Property type, occupancy type, does the borrower intend to live in the property as their primary residence, or is it going to be a second home for the borrower or possibly an investment property? So something certainly to consider. Uh, VA loans do not have mortgage insurance, which is nice. And then USDA, which really is a great loan, USDA, so is VA, by the way. USDA is kind of similar to a VA in certain circumstances. It does not Um, It does have your mortgage insurance, but it's at a reduced amount. So even less so than, say, FHA um, would be your USDA financing that mortgage insurance. And again, veterans for the VA loan do not have mortgage insurance. In jumbo portfolio type loans, it depends on who the investor is as to whether or not there's going to be mortgage insurance. Flipping through my notes here. Some other uh, programs that we've seen that have become a little bit more popular lately too are what we call non-qualified loans or non-QM loans. Uh, These types of loans are outside of the traditional lending guidelines, right? So you're not talking about Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac conventional loans anymore. You're not talking about FHA, VA, USDA. These are in various investors that have what we call non-qualified loans. So these types of loans, and I like that there's investors out there that do this because they really are helping a niche part of the community to purchase homes. We've got self-employed borrowers that really want to purchase homes, and from an income standpoint, that can be a little bit more difficult sometimes when it comes to – FHA conventional VA financing and the way that they determine the income, we could do something like a bank statement loan or a P&L statement loan um, to help out those self-employed borrowers, uh, foreign nationals, we can help foreign nationals as well, uh, bankruptcies, foreclosures less than two years old, non-warrantable condos. I'm not going to dive too deep into that, but a non-warrantable condo or a condo may be non-warrantable with one lender versus another lender. I know that sounds confusing, but if you give me a call, if you have a scenario where you have a non-warrantable condo, my first question is always, why do we think it's non-warrantable? Because it may not be non-warrantable, uh, if you will. So I w- I want to know that. If you have a condo, whether you're on the list side or the buy side, you think that it's uh, non-warrantable, give me a call. I want to know why it's non-warrantable. See what we can do to help you out on that. And then condo tells. Condo tells is kind of a funny term. It is exactly the way that it sounds. Um, not a lot of people have heard about these. These are pretty popular in the uh, mountains and the ski towns um, when it comes to uh, condo hotels. So they are basically condos and hotels uh, all in one. And you've got uh, individually owned condos. You also have um, a hotel that's running within the same building, the same operations. And they have to kind of run, and coincide, and live together. Uh, so if you want more information on a condo tell, or if you run across a uh, transaction or an incident where there is a condo tell, and you'd like some more information on that financing, please let me know. Uh, again, my name is Jonathan Edwards with Citywide Home Loans. My NMLS is six seven one two five eight, and I can be reached at 303-921-5747. I really appreciate you tuning in for the show today. Um, some great, great topics that we really kind of touched the surface on today. If, if anything piques your interest, if you have some more questions, please don't hesitate to uh, shoot me an email at jedwards at citywidehomeloans.com or give me a call at 303-921-5747. All right, thanks again. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon.